This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. Father, we love you. We honor you. We glorify you in this place. There's nobody greater. There's nobody bigger. God, you're good. You're worthy of all of our praise, our adoration, our affection. It's all on you, God. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we glorify you. Jesus, we honor you. Jesus, we praise you. Come on, church, all across this place, lift up your voices. Begin to worship God. Maybe you're new to this environment this morning. There's no better place, no safer place than the presence of Jesus. We magnify you in this place. Whatever may have been distracting us coming in here, God, we magnify you. Whatever mountain may have been trying to grab our attention, whatever mountain we've been fixed and focused on, Jesus, it pales in comparison to you right now. God, we declare that you'll do it again. We've seen you perform miracles in the past. God, you'll do it again. Whatever it is in our lives right now, God, that we need, God, we declare that you'll do it again. The psalmist says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Come on, church, continue to praise Jesus. We worship you, God. We glorify you. We magnify you. Well, if you've never done this before, if you're new to something like this, just begin to tell him that you love him. Just even by faith right now. Maybe you're saying, man, I don't know where my faith is in God. Just begin to declare. Come on, there's something about opening up our mouth. There's something about the power of our words. I'm telling you, something miraculous will take place in your life when you begin to worship Jesus in here. Jesus, we glorify you. We love you, God. We love you more than anybody else around us. We love you more than anything in this world. We love you, Father. We rely on you more than we do our jobs, more than we do our paychecks. Jesus, we magnify you. God, you're bigger than that sickness. You're bigger than that depression. You're bigger than the anxiety of the ailment. You're bigger than the marriage. You're bigger than the children. You're bigger than the friends. You're bigger than our school. God, we magnify you in this place right now. There's nobody greater. There's nobody more worthy. Jesus, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Our faith may seem small and futile, but great is your faithfulness, God. Jesus, we love you and we honor you. Today, God, we ask that you would speak to us anew. God, breathe new life, fresh vision. God, restore lost dreams and relationships. God, maybe we're doing great here. God, equip us to go into our world to carry the message of the cross, the message of hope, and above all, the message of your love to the people all around us. In Jesus' name, we're so grateful. Amen and amen. Come on, can you do me a favor this morning? Can you... First off, give it up for this amazing band. A lot of work and time goes into getting this good. And these guys are really good. And I think one of the greatest ways that we can honor God is by honoring our brothers and sisters and our friends um, here at the City Church. Now, can you find somebody you haven't said hello to yet? Somebody that you uh, haven't shaken hands with? Give them a hug. Give them a high five. Tell them they look good because they came to church this morning. Come on, be an encouraging people. Go ahead, turn to somebody before you sit down. Tell them how excited you are to be sitting next to them.
you, but uh, I, I mean it when I say it. There's no place I'd rather be than right here at this moment today. Do you like the person you're sitting next to right now? Come on, if you don't, just keep looking ahead. It's all good. Man, I'm so, so excited, so honored to be here at the City Church. What a great church in a, an amazing city in a, in a great region. You know, this is my, this is my third time being able to, to share on this platform to, to, uh, to many of you all. And, uh, you know, the first time, how many know the first time you go somewhere, you're a guest? Second time, you're like, okay, I'm a friend now. Third time, you're like, oh, you're adopting me. So I am family. I'm your adopted American brother and uh, so glad to be here. And just so I kind of do a little station identification, I'm just curious, how many of y'all have, have been here before when I've been here? You, you've heard me speak before. Um, how many of you have never heard me before? Let me see. Uh, okay, cool. Awesome, man. A lot of uh, great, great folks in the room. And uh, man, I'm so, so glad to be here. I just, I just want to say, um, first and foremost, and I mean this with all of my heart, I, I love your senior pastors. Love them, love them, love them so much. Um, you know, in all honesty, Pastor Brent has become a very dear and near friend of mine. He's been a huge encouragement in my life. And, um, and he and his wife, Nicole, have been so generous to me and my wife and uh, just been a support. Uh, There's one thing to be generous, one thing to be a support. It's one thing to send encouraging text messages and phone calls and take you out to dinner and have a good time. It's just another thing just to be a true friend. Because um, he doesn't expect anything from us. He's, he and his wife have given us so much more than we've ever given them. Uh, and that means the world to us. And so I just want to say thank you publicly. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your family. Your girls are amazing. Um, honestly, Paris and, and, and Avery are, are amazing. And, uh, and, and it's an encouragement to me and my wife with two little kids to see you guys love each other. Um, your kids want to spend time with you. It's amazing. Uh, I think you guys are amazing leaders. Uh, and this church has an amazing example uh, of, of leadership and, and a mom and a dad. Um, you know, honestly, I really believe that one of the greatest ways we honor God is to truly take a moment uh, and honor the people around us. Uh, sometimes we get uncomfortable. Sometimes we try to rush these moments. But man, I just think that the world today is void of honor, probably more so than it's ever been before. And so just to slow down and be like, you know what? I like you. And I want you to know that I like you a lot. And uh, there's something significant about that. And so thank you so much. I like you guys. I like you a lot. Um, and, and then, of course, the, the true mother and the true father of the house, um, Dr. and Mrs. Coulter. Uh, if, you, if you don't know them, you should know them. Because, um, honestly, the, your, your senior pastors and their family is just a representation of the family that these two have built. And, uh, and man, I, I love coming to City Church. And I, I truly, I'm telling you the truth right now. I love coming because, because Dr. Coulter is so kind he is so encouraging. He's always so sweet. And to get around you and your wife, it's, it's literally, to, to just to be around your family, I'm like, that's, that's hashtag goals right there. Like, that's what we're shooting for right there, my wife and I. Like, 40 years from now, that's, like, I hope that we can have a family like the Coulters, man. They're just an amazing group. This is an amazing church. And you are surrounded right, right now by some amazing people. Thank you for clapping and getting excited about your church. I think that's, that's remarkable. And so, hey, my wife and I, um, of course, we're, we're, we are planning a church, as Pastor Brent just mentioned a few moments ago, in Columbus, Ohio. We uh, have been a part of a great church called Faith Family Church um, in Canton, Ohio, which is a little geography for all my Canadian friends. Canton's about an hour south of Cleveland. And you all know where Cleveland is. I already know that um, because Cleveland is uh, your enemy. Um, you know, I'm just going to say this right now. Like Toronto, 
um, hates Cleveland, but Cleveland loves Toronto. Just saying. Uh, we do, man. We're like, we see Toronto on the schedule, we're like, good. And, uh, and so, so, no, truth be told, man, I actually like the Raptors. I really do. Like, I, I, I genuinely feel bad because I'm like, man, y'all are a good team. Just, uh, you just turn into Lebrano when it comes playoff time. And, but, but no, we're playing a church, um, uh, about three hours south of Cleveland, about two hours from where we, we are right now and, uh, or where we, where we've been rather for the last 11 years. Um, so we're really rooting up our, our whole family and just planning there in Columbus. Um, we're not taking over church. We're not, there's not a group of people there who have been begging us to come. We're just like, all right, Jesus, let's go. Uh, you gave us a word and how many, know that's all you need, man. You need a word from God and then you just go. Uh, I, I like to I like to think of it like this: that God never calls us to do the impossible; He always calls us to do that which is very possible. And then He performs the impossible. God tells us to take a step. We can take a step. Come on, everybody in this place is capable of taking a step, no matter what that step may be, no matter how big that step may may take. We have we have my wife and I have yet to do anything impossible, but there are some things that we've stepped out on, and we've seen God perform some miracles um, along the way, and uh, that's exactly what we're doing right now. And I'm sure it's no different than than a lot of what you guys experience uh, in your journey of faith and your walk with Christ. But I want to kind of dive into this thing. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 3. I'm going to read just two verses, two scriptures, and then we're going to pray. Uh, and I am going to pray uh, for, for the Raptors and for the Cavaliers. So uh, I'll pray for you, and then I'll pray for me. And, uh, and then, we're going to, then we're going to just dive right into this thing. Luke chapter 3, verse 22 says, When all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying. And heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. This is God speaking over Jesus. He says, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm so well pleased. And I love that scripture. And I think in, I think in so many ways, if, if we could hear the voice of God this morning, right now, I have no doubt, I am so confident that he would be speaking that over every single person individually in this place today. Not just collectively as a church, he's well pleased with the city church, but he is well pleased with you. You say, Jordan, you don't even know what I've done or where I've been or what, what I've been going through. I'm telling you this. It doesn't matter what you've done. Like the video said, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. It matters who you are and whose you are. And you are a child of God, chosen by the King of Kings. And he is well pleased with you. I think any religion that's taught you otherwise is not the good news of Jesus Christ. I love to... I love to think of the image that God is looking down upon His Son, looking down upon us. Now I'm so pleased with you all. I'm so honored to be your King and your Father. And he goes on in verse 23. This is what we really want to key in on. There's four words in verse 23 that I want us to pick up on. It says, Now Jesus Himself was about 30 years old when He began His ministry. He was the Son. Here it is. So it was thought of Joseph. He's the Son. So it was thought. Of Joseph, I want to, I want to share for just about the next 20, 25 minutes, uh, from a message entitled, entitled "Jesus Changes Everything." Jesus changes everything. I think this message is going to serve as a reminder for some of us. It's going to be something brand new for others, and for some of us, we're going to be like, "Man, I'm living in that right now." And I'm telling you, it's the truth. Jesus really does change everything. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunities, for the moments that we have to come together as a family. God, we are so in love with you, and we're so enamored by the fact that you first chose to love us. God, can you help us understand in this place today just how big your love is for each of us individually and for us as a community of, of brothers and sisters? And 
Father, I ask that you would make up the distance by your grace through what I would humanly say, what I've prepared to say, and what you need to be said into the lives, what you want to be spoken into the, into the lives of every single person in here. And God, we do pray for your mercy and your grace over, over Lebrano, a.k.a. Toronto. In Jesus' name, help us in Cleveland to close this thing out four games. Everybody said? I tried to trick you there real quick into saying amen, into agreeing with me, but you didn't fall for it. All right, you're, you're quick people. Okay, okay. Um, you ever... Uh, <clears throat> You ever been in a relationship before that, uh, that maybe you've been in conversation, whether it's uh, with a friend or a, or a husband or, or a wife, and, and you've been uh, misunderstood or maybe you misinterpreted what was said? Come on, all the husbands were like, every single day. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all of us can relate to this on some levels. It was about 15 years ago now uh, that I was introduced to, to one of my good friends, a guy that I still keep in touch with today. He hails from the, the great nation of England, uh, where the queen reigns supreme. Y'all still know something about this here in Canada. You named a highway after her. And, uh, and, and, and he's, he's, a, he's a great friend, man. But, but he and I, of course, I'm from America. He's from England. We, we didn't have a whole lot in common, but for whatever reason, we just kind of hit it off from day one of orientation when we were, we were in Bible college. And, and, and really, in all honesty, I think in some regards, it's like we were all that we had. Like we didn't know anybody else. We just happened to sit by each other on orientation day. And next thing you know, we become good friends, and 15 years later, we still, still keep in touch. But somewhere around that first week of school, um, my, my, my friend Rob, he didn't, he didn't have a car. You know, he's, he's from another country, drives on the wrong side of the road, so we didn't want him to even have a car. We're all, like, begging him, don't even try to get your license, bro. Like, you would scare us. Like, just, we drive on the right, not the left. That's weird. It's the right. We, we in America invented cars, by the way, so we really should be the... The ones who decide which side of the road to drive on. But, 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 but so, so, so I'm 18 years old, man. Like I'm young. I'm super young at the time. And, and, and I grew up in a home where, where my mom and, 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 or my stepmom, my parents, I split time equally in both homes. They, 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 they were great housewives. I mean, they were great mothers and they took care of all of my laundry. So I think one of the biggest adjustments that I had to, that I had to kind of, kind of make was, was the fact that I had to do my own laundry. I lived in a, one bedroom apartment all by myself and and there was no washer or dryer in my apartment or even on the complex i had to drive to the laundromat to do my la- i remember calling my mom being like how do i what do i do like what goes in first i mean i got married i still didn't know how to do laundry like my wife this day is like don't you dare touch the laundry i'm putting towels in with whites and 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 like she's like you don't do that it's still this day i'm like why like just throw it all in there get it all clean you know like my, my idea of laundry is, is it gets dirty, throw it away, go buy a new shirt. Like, that's, it's clean now. Let's just start over again, right? And, and, and so, but my friend Rob, he lived in a house with, with four other guys. And, and so I go over to his house, going to pick him up. We're going to go meet some friends to go out to dinner. And, and when I arrive, I'm, I'm just trying to make small talk, trying to get to know him a little bit. And there's a, there's a, bit, of a bit of a cultural divide, just a little bit. And, and, um, and, I, and I said to Rob, I said, hey, do you have a washer here? Like, I don't, have a, I don't have a washer. Do you have a washer here? Because I'm thinking in my head, like, bro, if you have a washer and dryer, I'm just going to come to your house. Like, it's free. I'm going to do all my laundry here. And, and to which he replies, uh, yes, always. Oh, that's a weird way. I thought maybe that's just an English thing. Like, you say yes, and then you, and then you just affirm it. Always. Like, just how, just how they talk. And so so he, he says to me, he says, do you? And I said, 
no, never. Like, see, like, it's just, I'm trying to, I'm like, just trying to speak your language here. And, and we're like, he looks at me kind of strange. I look back at him kind of strange. Like, this is going to be a really difficult relationship, isn't it? And we kind of just, we just kind of go on with our day. And it's about a week later and we're, and we're driving again. He's in the car and he says, so, so, hey, 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 mate, I, I got a question for you. Um, he said, now, do all Americans, do, do none of them wash their hair? I said, what? What are you talking about? He said, yeah, do, is it just you or, or do, do, does nobody wash their hair? I said, what? I bro, yeah, no, we, I think we, pretty much all of us wash our hair. He's like, well, well you, the other day, though, you said, you said, no, never. You never wash your hair. I said, no, no, bro, I asked you if you have a washer here. To which he replied, yes, always. And, and I said, no, never. Huh? We got a good laugh over it. And yet I think a lot of times, like, like this is, this is kind of like, we all experience this in relation to the time, don't we? Where we're like, I'm kind of confused. not really sure what's going on. And we, we kind of misinterpret or maybe even just underestimate uh, what somebody says, the severity of what somebody's trying to trying to do. I think in, I think in a lot of ways, we, we do this to Jesus. We, we've misinterpreted who Jesus really is. And not in the grandiose sense. I think for the vast majority of this in here, uh, we understand, okay, Jesus is, man, he's the son of God. Like he's, he's the savior of the world. I place my faith in him. I, I get a ticket into heaven. But, but I think in the here and now, what, what place, what role does Jesus have in our lives? Now, I think the, the good the good thing about a church like this is that you don't even have to believe everything that everybody else around you believes in order to belong right here as a part of this, as a part of this family. So I understand there's people who are on all different sides of, of the path and all different sides of the road when it comes to their, their journey and their walk with God. But the reality is, is that maybe you're a lot like me. Sometimes in my life, I, I kind of think, or at least, at the very least, I act as if Jesus is just a life coach of sorts. Or, or maybe, maybe you can relate to just kind of feeling like, you know, the role of Jesus is to kind of just make me good or to make bad people better. Or, or we see Jesus as an appointment or a schedule on our already busy and full calendars. Yet the reality is that Jesus isn't a life coach. And we have to, remind, we have to be reminded of this at times, that, that Jesus is so much more, that he's... He's a king. And Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. I think this is one of the greatest things that we misunderstand. And that's so often religion in, in, a, in a larger sense has, has misunderstood that Jesus literally came to take spiritually dead people and give them, give them life. And Jesus, he, he's more than just a church service or a, or a small group. He's, he's more than just an appointment on our full and already busy calendars. Jesus, come on city church, Jesus, he's actually... He's everything. And for, for, some, for some of us, and, and even in history, in Luke chapter 3, we see some people think, man, Jesus, he's just the son of Joseph. He's just the, he's just the son of man. No, 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 Jesus is the son of God. It's a huge miscalculation to think anything less than who he really is. And yet history is full of people who have misinterpreted and even underestimated who Jesus really is. In fact, I do it to this day. And I would venture to say that you probably do the same thing. There are seasons, moments, days, minutes, 
sometimes months and years in our lives where maybe we, we say one thing and we even lift our hands in worship and begin to declare that Jesus can do it again, but then we live our lives stressed and anxious and confused and full of worry and fear and questions and doubts, and yet we come into an environment where we say it, but we don't, we don't operate and live it like we say it, like we feel it, like we mean it. And I think a lot of times the very thing that we're looking for, man, it's, it's, actually, right, it's actually right in front of us. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, I want to just read, read three verses. We, we see probably one of the earliest accounts of a group of people who have underestimated who Jesus really is. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, there's some Pharisees and teachers of religious law, and they're sitting nearby, and it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And here it is. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Come on, the Lord's healing power is strongly with Jesus. In verse 18, it says, Some men came, carrying a paralyzed man, or their friend, on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because the crowd was too thick. So they went up onto the roof, took off some tiles, and they lowered the sick man onto his mat, down to the crowd, right in front of Jesus. I think most of us would agree in here that, that, that the place where we want to be is right in front of Jesus. So often the thing that we need in our lives, even the thing that we, we desire, the thing that we want, is sovereignly and divinely positioned by God directly in front of us. We just, we just don't see it. Or maybe we just, we just forget about it. Maybe we're just living our lives so full and so busy that, that we don't have time to stop and even be, even be aware of it. It's kind of like the individual who, who, who loses their sunglasses, right? Or their reading glasses. And they're looking everywhere for them, right? And you're like, where's, hey, where's my, where's my glasses? Hey, 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 where's my glasses? They're, they're on your head, bro. They're right here. Hey, babe, have you see, see my keys? You see my keys? Try, check your pockets. Oh, yeah, I got them. Right? Like, we, we forget sometimes the thing that we're looking for. We're looking everywhere. Where's my phone? My phone. I mean, today, you lose your phone, man. It's like, you might as, I might as well just die now. You know what I'm saying? Like, where's my phone? My phone. Just found it. You know? Because the, the thing that we really want, it's right, it's right, it's right in front of us. And I think sometimes, even though Jesus is right in front of us, we, we underestimate what he can really do while he's right in front of us. A couple of years ago, we were on vacation, uh, me and my family, and it just totally by coincidence coincided with, with my dad and, and uh, some of my siblings. Um, they were going on vacation in the same city, different side of town, but it just happened to be the exact same week we were together. And, and we were, so we were in Florida on the Gulf Coast, and, and, and Florida is, I'm telling you, that is... The Gulf Coast, that's, that's exactly where Jesus, he's always there. And, and so, man, if you look, everywhere, just go to Florida, he's there. And, and so, so we're there, and, and a couple times during the week, we, we, we met up with, uh, with, uh, with my family. And the one particular day, we were going to this park, and we're going off into this trail behind the park, this kind of heavily wooded area. And there's like some crocodiles down by the, or, or alligators rather, down by the, down by the creek, and so we're kind of like checking them out far enough away, you know what I'm saying, like I'm not Crocodile Dundee in here, like you stay over there, I'll stay over here, you do your thing, Mr. Alligator, and I'll do mine, and so we're like checking these things out from afar, and we're, we're walking back, um, back to the park, and, 
And there's a snake that slithers across the trail in front of us. And me and my, my younger sister, she's about 17 or 18 at the time. And we, the two of us kind of like jump back. And we're like, oh, there's a snake. And before we could even say and finish our statement, there's a snake, my dad kind of steps up in front of us. I'm thinking he's trying to like take the bite for us. No, no, he, he foolishly and, and, and quickly goes to reach down to grab the snake. Now, I'm, from, I'm from originally from Pennsylvania, Outside of, outside of Philadelphia, PA, um, they're like, there's no dangerous creatures there. None, right? Like the worst thing, I, I, think, I think I saw like maybe like two, two gardener snakes my entire life growing up. Like a gardener snake bites you, you rip the thing off, you throw it, chop off its head if you want to, whatever, keep it, let the mice, you know, whatever. But, 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 and then you put a bandaid on it, you go on with your life. Like, but in Florida, there's like pythons and, 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 and copperheads, and, and I'm, not, I'm not like a snake expert, so it just ends, that's all that I know. And, and, but there's this stuff there that you don't just reach down and try to pick it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, so, so my dad, though, the snake, he goes and he tries to grab the snake. The snake gets into the tall grasses off the trail, and he takes a couple steps into the grass. I mean, sure enough, quickly, I, mean, I grab my dad's arm, I pull it. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing? And... and and I'm like, Dad, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I gotta save your life, man. Like, this, you can't go after that thing. You know, I'm like telling my dad, like, man, I don't know how you planned on kind of giving your inheritance to your six children, but like, I'll just save your life. It should all go to me now. Like, this is, well, yes, you can't go out. I'm like, Dad, Dad, that's, you can't go after that. You don't know what that thing is. My dad says to me, he goes, it's just a snake. I'm like, no, no, Dad, you don't get it. That, that could be a poisonous snake. I think sometimes, though, that's how we, that's how we treat, that's how we treat our faith. Man, it's just, it's just prayer. It's just, it's just worship. It's, it's just the Bible. It's just the, it's just the preaching and the teaching of God's word. It's just the, it's just the gathering of some people in a, in a, in a building that we call, we call church. I mean, it's just, here it is. It's just, well, did, did you pray yet? Yeah, I prayed, but, but like still, uh, but man, have you, have you surrendered everything to God? Have you given your life? Have you said, God, you know, I give you this, this, yeah, I have, but like still, it's just kind of, it just is what it is. And, I don't know if it ever, ever really changed. It's just Jesus. I think in the, the most elementary sense, people think in, in universities today, that they, they teach, man, he's just, Jesus, he's just a myth. He's just some, some ancient miracle worker. He's just some revolutionary who was a really, really great orator and teacher and preacher. And, ah, he's just some guy who died in his, in his early 30s. He's just the son of Joseph. And we belittle and underestimate who Jesus really is. But here's the good news, City Church, is that who Jesus really is can't be changed or altered by human opinion, whether it be ours or anybody else in the world around us. Because while the opinions of men have come and gone, Jesus still sits. He's seated on His throne, unchanged, unscathed, undiminished. You see, Jesus is still, whether we understand it to be so and live and operate our lives in such a manner that corresponds to this truth or not, He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author of life and the finisher of our faith. Come on, Jesus is still the Alpha and the Omega. You know what that means? That means that He was before anything ever was. And He will be after everything will ever be. And that doesn't under, we don't understand how to, how to calculate or compute that into our minds. That's the goodness of Jesus. He's too big to fit into our finite lack of understanding. Come on, Jesus is everything we've ever wanted to be and can do anything that we've ever desired Him 
to do. And this is who, Jesus is still the King of Kings. He's still the Lord of Lords. LeBron may be the King of Toronto, but, but Jesus is still the King of LeBron. So you keep praying, Toronto, and eventually he'll bow too. No, in all seriousness, though, I think sometimes we forget exactly who Jesus is. Come on, he's the hope of all life. Jesus is, come on, he's the image of the invisible God. He's, he's, Jesus is love. He doesn't just have love. He is love. He didn't just come to bring peace. He came as peace. Come on, Jesus. Jesus is, is everything. And not one low opinion of Jesus could ever change that. I think sometimes we think Jesus is weak. I don't know if Jesus could do it. I think sometimes we think Jesus, Jesus is irrelevant. I don't know. I mean, I've got so many things i got to do. I, I don't know if I have time to... I heard somebody say one time, and I, I'm too busy not to pray. I'm too busy not to worship. I'm too busy not to listen and lean into the voice of God in my life. Because Jesus, and for us as followers of Jesus, man, He is, He's everything. And I think in the kingdom of God, sometimes math doesn't make sense. Like mathematics don't add up in the formal sense, in the, in the way that we understand it. Because in the kingdom of God, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And yet everything minus Jesus, nothing. It's nothing. So we have this, this paralyzed man in Luke chapter 5. And, and, and the story doesn't tell us if he's been paralyzed from birth or if paralysis came on him through, through an accident that, that he stumbled into or that, that somebody did to him. We, we don't know. But all we do know is that this man can't walk. Like he is paralyzed. As I look around the room right now, he is in worse condition than anybody else in here today. And as you can imagine, I'm sure you've been in what felt like hopeless situations at times. I know that I have. This guy's probably given up. He's probably given up all hope that anything could ever change. And, and, and he's got some friends. There's, there's at least four of them. And at, and at one point, they begin to chat. They begin to talk. They begin to discuss the stories of what they've been hearing about Jesus and what they've been what they've probably been seeing and experiencing for, for themselves. And, and they're, they're, they're hanging out one day, and, and here's, here's, here's the, the guy on the mat, and there's his four friends. And they're like, yo, the other, the other day I was at that picnic, you know, downtown over by the sea. Yeah, yeah, Oh, you were there? I heard about that. Yeah, bro, it was crazy. It wasn't supposed to be a picnic. I mean, I was just there because Jesus was teaching. I'm telling you what, man, this, this guy, Jesus, he, he teaches with an authority like I had never seen before. He, he tells us about stuff I'd never even heard before. It's like three, four hours has gone by. I'm telling you, it felt like 15 minutes. But my stomach, man, it was getting pretty hungry. And those disciples, they were getting hungry too. Those guys that followed Jesus, everywhere, the 12 of them, they were getting hungry too. They told Jesus, I heard them. I heard them tell Jesus. They said, hey, we, uh, are we going to feed these guys? Like, we got to go get some food. Like, we should probably, and Jesus told them, why don't you feed them? And they're like, there's at least 5,000 men here got to be like 15,000 people total. How in the world? Jesus, you crazy? How are we going to feed them? Like, even if we had the resources to go down to Walmart, I don't even think Walmart, back in that day, didn't have that much food. Uh, we, I, don't, I don't think we can do this. He says, oh, there's a boy over there. He's got like a couple fish, like five five loaves. I mean, let me, let me bless it. 
Jesus blesses the food. I'm telling you, I saw this from my own eyes. He blesses the food. He begins to break. He begins to pass it out. I'm telling you, everybody, myself included, it was the best fish and the best bread I ever had, man. I was so full by the end of it. In fact, they ended up taking up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. There was more food left over than what he started with. That's the miracle. I'm telling yeah, that's nothing, man. The other day I saw Jesus. He was like, he was like hanging out with this blind guy. He like reached down into the, into the dirt. He spit. He made mud, and he rubbed it on his hands, and he put it on the guy's eyes. Then he told him to go wash off in, like, some, like, pool over there, like, some, some water over there. The guy, like, like kind of got his way down to the pool. He kind of, like, got in the water. He I know the guy. I went, to, I went to grade school with his brother. The dude was blind for a long time. Like, he can see now. Oh, that's, that's nothing, man. I'll tell you, you, you know what I saw? I saw somebody was deaf. Dude, that's nothing, man. The fourth friend's like, I saw him raise my buddy Lazarus. He'd been dead for four days. Four days. I heard about that story. Four days. How, that smelled pretty bad. It smells so bad. It smells so bad. He, Jesus showed up on the scene. He's like, hey, hey, Lazarus, get up. Peace. I'm out. Like, I'm telling you, the dude was dead, and now he's alive. Their, their buddy on the mat, he's kind of, he's there, his faith starting to build. He's like, wait a he did all that? Same guy did all that? Yeah, all that. All four of the friends are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, get back on your mat. Let's get him on. And they begin to carry him. I heard that Jesus is in this house down the road. And they find where, where he's at. And they get there. And there's probably a little bit of disappointment, a little bit of frustration, a little bit of like, oh, shoot. We got all this way, and the crowd is so thick. We can't even get you inside. And the guy on the mat says, what about the back of the house? Let's get up on top of the roof. Okay, okay, I see where you're going here. I see. They get up on the roof, and, and, and as, as they're up there, they're like, um, now what? Hey, can you take off the, the ceiling tiles? Can you rip off the roof? Uh, we, we could try. Yeah, yeah, do it, do it. They begin to tear the roof. Can you imagine the scene inside that house on that day? They're like, stuff's getting in their eyes, like, what? what's going on? Yo, my, the roof, the homeowner's like, Hey, whoa, hey, stop, stop. It's my house, man. And Jesus is like, shh. These guys know something that you don't know. Hey, keep, that, is it big enough? Can you get him down yet? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can get him, I think we can get him down. The guy on the mat's like, just, just, just drop me, guys. I'm already, already paralyzed. Just, just drop. Okay. Boom. He's there. It's Jesus. Uh, hi. I can't move. I know. I got exactly what you need. Because Jesus always has everything that we ever need. Even if you're not familiar with the story, you know where this story goes. Because Jesus is everything. But to what degree do you and I believe that if I just get in front of Jesus, everything can change? Come on, to what degree do you and I believe if I just get my friends in the presence of Jesus with this amazing band, I think, I think, I think, I, I, I'm confident everything can change. Jesus Jesus is bigger, better, and greater than 
than just a myth, than just a man, than just the son of Joseph. Jesus is everything. And recently, in the last few weeks, you can just ignore that light. It's, Jesus is really liking this message right now, and he's just, he's just vibrating the lights up in the rooftop right now. That's a joke, by the way, okay? You can laugh. Jesus, a few weeks ago, I was uh, feeling pretty overwhelmed uh, starting this church, feeling like, what is going on? I told my wife, I was like, I've literally had thoughts like, how can we give every dollar back to everybody who's given? And we'll probably have to chalk up a loss and take some money out of our savings, you know, quite a bit because it's been, you know, we spent quite a bit of money. And so, uh, but maybe we can get out of this thing still. Um, literally like had those thoughts like I'm driving down the road one day and I'm like uh, okay how could we do this how could I how could I back out of this because we keep saying we're like no backing out now I'm like yeah there is we haven't actually started yet we could we could back out now you know I think sometimes we assume like oh the preacher he got so much faith he's gonna he probably just never even doubts that's all I've been doing is doubting (laughs) couple weeks ago my wife visibly can tell jordan you are not well like something is going on i'm like frustrated I'm like yeah everything's going on I'm crying in which that's not unusual i cry a lot to begin with but 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 i'm like i'm like babe yeah like I, like i'm a little overwhelmed right now and and we're trying to talk through this and like we gave up everything man we gave up everything and, and we're talking through this and, and and i don't remember what she said and even how she said it but there's just something she reminded me of in that moment. You know, am, I, am I doing this thing for Jesus? Or am I doing this thing with Jesus? And there's a big difference in our lives. We, be, we begin to feel like we're serving for Jesus or we're serving alongside of Jesus. Realizing that Jesus and the plan that he has for our lives is, 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 is his plan. It's not even ours. Our job is just to walk in step with where he's going, to walk in step with what his word has, has revealed, what his word has, has shown. And, and I realized in that moment, man, I just I got to get in front of Jesus because the anxiety that I was feeling and the, and, the, and the insecurity and the worry and the doubt, that that will all bow in the presence of Jesus. The scriptures say even the demons shake in the presence of Jesus. I mean, there's something about Jesus that changes everything. There's something about Jesus that changes our marriage. Maybe your marriage isn't on the rocks. Maybe your marriage is okay. But it's not the marriage that you dreamed of. Man, there's something about getting in the presence of Jesus that brings about the reality of that dream that's meant to be carried out in your marriage. I mean, there's something about keeping our kids in the presence of Jesus. I'll just tell you right now, I am a product of a father who kept me in the presence of Jesus. He kept me in church. My dad was one of those dads who when I had to pee in church, when I had to like go, he was like, you'll wait till the end or you'll pee your pants now. I mean, I can't tell you how many times he told me, dad, I gotta pee. I gotta pee, I'm like seven. I'm like, dad, I gotta pee. He's like, you pee your pants? We'll wait, we're not gonna get out. We're staying here. Like that's my, I'm a product of a parent who said you need to be in the presence of Jesus. I'm telling you, man, there's something about Jesus that changes that. There's something, just when you feel like giving up, just get back in the presence of Jesus. Now, I just think there's something about these men, there's something about these, the faith of these friends who said, I don't care what adversity comes my way. I don't care what walls try to be built in between you and Jesus. I don't care if the crowd is so thick. 
I don't care if the roof goes through the roof to get to Jesus. What are you willing to do to get your friends and your co-workers and your family members in the presence of Jesus? You got to bribe them with lunch. You got to give them a gift card, buy them a gift. I don't know what you, what you got. You got to look foolish to get them to, 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 to come to church. I don't know what you got. But what are you, to what extent, what degree are you willing to go to get people to Jesus? And I remembered the whole reason we're building this church whole reason we're on this journey is to get people in the presence of the king who changes everything there's there's just one point i want to give you i'm gonna pray for you just one simple thing if you're taking notes you can write it down if you're one of those mental people you're amazing remember it jesus he changes everything Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person in this room, every single person who's, who's, who's hearing this, whether on a podcast or through whatever form of media. God, I just ask right now that you would bring back the wonder, that you'd awaken in us again the wonder of your Son. Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.